Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everyone. I am Desiree Collins-Bradley at Patient Partner Innovation Community, and I'll be your host today. And we are really happy to have uh, Bobby Reed with us. She is a, a national patient advocate, and I am so happy to have you here. Welcome, Bobby. Oh, well, hi. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, you know, really, you know, we're, our topic today is going to be all about national advocacy. And so who better to have? I couldn't think of any other better guest to have than Bobby Reed because she is a powerhouse on the national, on the Hill advocating for patients. And so, Bobby, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about how you got started? I know that um, your son and going through his kidney kidney disease and, and that whole story is kind of what started your advocacy work. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how that made a big play into where you are today? Sure, no problem at all. Um, basically, a little background on myself. I um, went to college and I majored in consumer services and, and family consumer services, home economics, so to speak. And from there, I went to work for a national telecommunications company. So I learned I guess the communication skills from that. And ultimately, after I had two children and was married, um, I went to work in my husband's insurance business. And it was actually there that um, my son, Alex, my eldest, when he went to college at Penn State University, he was a baseball player there. We intended him to graduate and come to work in our business, like follow the family tradition. However, shortly after he graduated, I would say like two weeks after he graduated in, in 2013, um, he developed really, really high blood pressure and actually ended up in the hospital. He was in intensive care for over a week and um, they didn't know that he was going to live. And what happened was the doctors thought he was going to be fine. He was a, a young individual, a baseball player, an athlete. Uh, they thought that he would bounce back. Well, that didn't happen because in the space of four or five months, he was actually diagnosed with end-stage renal disease. And we were told that he needed to find a living kidney donor. And in mm. our case, to be a non-related donor because we have a genetic blood clot factor. So his brother 
or myself or other members of our family couldn't give him a kidney because it would put the donors at too much of a risk. So I set out to find him a donor after things settled because it was very traumatic initially. It took about a year uh, even just to get on the transplant wait list because this wow. was so unusual. Yeah, so unusual with the, the blood pressure killing his kidneys, both of them, so fast in a matter of maybe three or four months. So mm -hmm. after things settled, I did set out and I developed a program, a plan. And I stuck to my plan. I based it on sales. I basically had in the back of my mind, I had to sell somebody somewhere and giving my kid a kidney to save his life. Mm. And what I did is I went to every possible affiliation or connection that I had or our family had. And I just asked them. I didn't do it all at once. I did like one at a time to put something out. And anytime anybody put something out in writing, even if it was just a couple sentences, you know, for a business or whatever, I thanked them publicly on social media. So social media played a real big role in this. And the thing that people have to remember, you never know who's looking. Mm -hmm. So um, I, there was an individual, we went back to Penn State and the Alumni Association put out a, like a big flash to their alumni in Penn mm -hmm. State very tight-knit group of people. And um, we didn't know it at the time, but a gentleman that lived in New Jersey, um, and we didn't know him either, um, saw that thing in the alumni thing. But in addition to that, remember me saying a minute or two ago that everybody, yeah, every time anybody did anything, I would put it out there, you know, yeah. on social media. So he kept seeing this and he felt, we didn't know this, but he felt that he could he was a match. He was going to go and do this. And so he flew into Pittsburgh. He went through the testing and they told him that he was too fat. He had to lose 30 pounds because you have to, when you're a donor, you have to be in really, really good health, you know, mm -hmm. so went back to New Jersey. It took him six months and he lost the 30 pounds, flew back to Pittsburgh, got the approval went back to New Jersey and he called his son up who actually did play on the Penn state baseball team with my son for one year. And mm -hmm. then, this, this, this kid was cut from the team. He didn't make the team after that. So um, his, you know, they, my son remained friends with him. So his dad, my son's donor, called him mm -hmm. up and said, son, I want you to invite this Alex friend, you know, you used to play baseball with him to our tailgate party at Penn State next week. And while you're at it, you know, some of the other baseball kids, you know, invite them up there too. Okay. So, yeah, so he did. And it, the game was like, we worked his dialysis around it. He, we did home dialysis, home hemodialysis. And we worked his dialysis around it. So he got up real early in the morning and drove up there like at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning because the tailgate party started at 7. The game started at noon. Mm -hmm. And so my son steps up to the grill and the guy at the grill said, well, Alex, I'm glad you can make the tailgate party. What can I get you? And he said, well, I guess I'll have a breakfast sandwich because, you know, that was all that was on the grill. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, that's all I want. And the guy said, well, I thought you wanted a kidney. And he said, well, yeah, I, I do need to get a kidney, find a kidney donor, kidney transplant. Um, and then the guy said to him, I'll tell you what, Alex, I'm giving you my kidney. Here's the, oh. here's the approval from the hospital. When, when do you want it? Wow. Yeah, I know. And that is amazing. I know. And my son being so... Um, quiet he's just the opposite of what i am <laughs> you know, so what did somebody say he looked right at this guy and he said can i call my mom so, so he called me on the phone at seven in the morning and he said mom 
Mr. Hyde's giving me his kidney. Do you want to talk to him? And, you know, when you take that phone call in the morning, you know, real early like that, you know that you're on, he's on dialysis. The first thing that comes to mind is something's wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. It, it was really true. This man gave, he flew into Pittsburgh shortly thereafter. Yeah, this was in September. The transplant took place on November 9th of 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave him his kidney. And then afterwards, and I'm leading up to this, what led me to my advocacy is afterwards, everybody was asking him because this man ran really big tailgate parties, you know, at Penn State, huge productions. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he really bled blue and white. And, <laughs> uh, and people asked him, you know, why did you do this, um, John? And he said, well, he wrote a. He actually wrote a post about this. He said, "You know, I, I I throw tailgate parties and I feed alcohol to kids over 21, and I look after them, and they look up to me because I can throw these fantastic parties." But he said, "You know, I saw other people doing really big things like giving back to their communities and helping kids with cancer and just participating." And he said that throwing these tailgate parties made him feel really small and insignificant. And he said that he wanted to lead by example. And he mm-hmm. thought a better way to do it than to give somebody, if he could help somebody, give somebody his kidney and save their life. And he thought yeah. that would instill upon other people that you have to not necessarily give part of your body away, but you have to do something, you That's know, right. to make a difference. Absolutely. So that, yeah. and he went, after he gave my son the kidney and he said that, it really stuck with me. And I turned everything around from what my really purpose was in life that I, I needed to give back to in a big way, because, you know, when someone gives you a kidney, you don't pay them for it. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want that organ. Um, you can't do anything for them except say thank you. So this yeah. is a way of saying thank you. That was wow. the, first, that's the first reason why I became an advocate. And the second reason is, and people have to realize this, when you get a transplanted organ, no matter what organ it is, liver, heart, kidney, whatever, um, you have to take anti-rejection medication and it's not a cure, you know, sure. It, it, it's a treatment, meaning like it's a patch to get you through, but then, mm-hmm. you know, that is going to fail. You know, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, hopefully for my son, it's a really long time, but whenever that time comes, I really want something to be there other than having to go on dialysis and having his life virtually stop, you mm-hmm. know, take care to, to do that. So I'm advocating part of the, one of the really big things that I advocate for is for some changes for like research, um, medication changes, because uh, they have nasty side effects, the ones that my son has to take, but he has to take them to stay alive. Those yeah. types. So that's why I became an advocate and that, you know, that's the basis of our story. Wow. I understand, too, that you're kind of interested in some ways that other people can, you know, become involved and become an advocate. They're thinking, okay, yeah, it's a big word. Where do I go from here? You know, Um, it's really it's simple. Um, A lot of times you can just do it like like your fingers do the walking on your computer, you know, like I did whenever I had to find my son, his donor. You know, I use Mm -hmm. social media and different things like that. But what you have to do, no matter what disease or illness or what you want to advocate for, think of what your illness is. And I'm sure that you'd have an organization out there, a nonprofit 
that does their own sets of advocacy or provides information and help to those afflicted with that particular disease. In our, my case, it was the National Kidney Foundation and also the American Association of Kidney Patients. And oh. that, yeah, right. And not only do they um, provide you advocacy tips, but they also provide you information in terms of like nutrition or where you can go to get help financially. Um, just a lot of different things. When you have questions, they have like a helpline there available and can get the word out to you as well. Mm-hmm. But let's focus for just a couple minutes on mm-hmm. the kidney people. Okay. If mm-hmm. the kidney foundation, they have offices all over the United States, like local offices in your own backyard. You don't have to go to Washington, D.C., you can go right online, look up www.kidney.org. That's the main, their main website. And right on their main website, it says there's a tab right at the top that says advocacy. It's simple. And on from there, they list the things that the National Kidney Foundation right now are, are advocating for. For example, um, right now, uh, there is going to be legislation introduced into Congress, not just for kidney people, but for all people, for prescription medication. And we all know what a big issue that is. Across oh, the- yes, we do. The cost of medication is. Of medication. So, yeah. So you got, so I know you started, you, you started, I would say, on a local level with the National Kidney Foundation, but I see you very much. And when we say the power of social media, I get to follow and see all the wonderful things that you're doing. So I see now that you're at the national level, you're on the Hill advocating. And so, you know, could you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got involved directly with our legislature and maybe inspire them to become involved as well? Yes. And that's that's also part of the kidney.org website under their advocacy. If you wanted to contact your legislator, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and write a real long letter and, or, you know, pond it down there. They have really simple things where you just click on a button, look up who your legislator is, and they even have pre-designed letters that you can, like, just click a button and send it right to your legislator telling them that, you you know, you support this particular issue with kidney disease, for example. Mm-hmm. But not only that, they, they, let, they tell you on there who your legislators are. So if you don't want to advocate, say, for kidney disease, maybe you have cancer or something and you want them to be made aware of what your opinion is. That's how you can do it. You can contact them and type in what you want and, you know, send the information that way. I did that. I also picked up the phone and I called their local office because all your legislators, even though they're on the Hill in Washington, D.C., and that's kind of a big place, they still have to come home to their individual districts because, after all, we're the people who elect them. And Mm -hmm. I call them up locally. I do this on a regular basis and say, hey, look, this is what's happening, what I'm kind of worried about, you know, because um, it would help not only my son in his particular situation, but it would help many others because a Mm -hmm. lot of people besides him were affected with kidney disease. And um, so that's, that is basically how I began to get involved. And through the national kidney foundation, they do have um, visits to Capitol Hill. One time a year, they have a summit and I was invited to that. And the day before you go and call on your legislators, they train you or they tell you, these are the issues. This is how you talk to your representative. This is you make three asks, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
to become involved, you know, to, to do it that way. And when after you have your visit or after you sit down and talk to maybe their aide, maybe it's not the representative himself, you'll have to thank you. And that's one of the things that I preach. Um, people remember that. Like when we got our donor, you know, I went back to every single person that even even if it was just a couple sentences and I said, thank you. And by saying thank you, that sort of leaves the door open for the next time around when you want to ask them about something else. So that's all part of being a good advocate. I think that's, you know, that's just human decency, right, at, at its core. And, yeah. and, you know, I think when you think about, and I just think about my own, in my own health, I'm, I'm a diabetic and, you know, I've been trying to become more active in, you know, the diabetes prevention programs. And, and, and so whatever process, disease process or diagnosis that you have, it seems mm-hmm. like there's a host of resources and support out there. Um, mm-hmm. And just you telling me, and, and this is something that I'm learning now on the phone, you know, on the podcast with you right now, is that they have the letters pre-done. So it's just, we can just simply drop our information in, mm-hmm. copy, paste, click. I mean, you, right. that's easy. That's something that we can do. You know, I, I'm just thinking, forward thinking, you know, getting a group of advocates together. If we're trying to, you know, fight for something, we can just cut, paste, click, cut, paste, click, you know, and, and spread the message. So, you know, you, you don't have to travel. It sounds like you can really be that power behind that computer screen as well. So, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that. That is very informative. And people think that just because maybe they're not like me, they're not in their faces on Capitol Hill. You don't have to be. Believe it or not, our congressional representatives, the senators and the congressmen, both the House and Senate, they have people that work for them that keep track of how many of those letters come in. And you'll notice that sometimes on my social media, when I get a request from the National Kidney Foundation saying, hey, look, we want to try to get this Living Donor Protection Act put through. And we need you to contact as many people in your home districts to get in touch with their congressmen to um, vote in favor of this, to sign on and be a co-sponsor. So by sharing it on social media and saying, hey, go to this website here, just click right here and type in your zip code and type in your name and hit send. Those people on the other end getting that, those people that work for those congressional representatives, they keep track of how many people are into that or you know, want something done on a particular subject matter. Giving that congressman or that representative the know-how that, hey, there's so many people in my district that are concerned about this. Maybe I do need to look at this and maybe I do need to vote in favor because they're looking at what I do. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. So when you share, most a lot of times, too, your friends that on social media, they can be anywhere. But the mass majority in the family maybe that live right around you, you know, mm-hmm. In all those zip codes, they might be in that same congressional uh, uh, area, district, mm-hmm. and those yeah. like his mailbox. Believe it or not, my congressman here in Pennsylvania did not have a clue about the Living Donor Protection Act. And I kept sharing it out there, and I went to every meeting that this guy had in district, you know, like the, the town hall meeting and stuff. And yeah. I, I raised my hand and I asked a question, uh, you know, what are you doing about this or what do you think about this? And then everybody would look at me and then they'd look at him. Yeah. What do you think about that? And it worked. The guy signed on to be a co-sponsor of something that he knew nothing about. Simply. Wow. 
simple grassroots thing, asking people on social media and on posts, can you please, you know, click this button for me? And, and you- see, that that's refreshing, too, because a lot of times I think people, and this is just in general, people think it's just my one voice. It's not important. What can I do? And this is a, a really great story to let you know that one voice shifted a change, a major change. So your one voice can count and move the masses. So we really, really appreciate that. So, you know, a lot of times as, as we're talking about this national advocacy work and calling our legislatures and, you know, trying to become more engaged, it can be a little intimidating. And I know, you know, we want to make sure that all patient voices are represented. So, you know, what would be some advice that you would give to the patient that I would say, you know, this new to this space has no clue where to start? What would be some advice you could give them to be a little bit more comfortable to get engaged on this national advocacy work? One of the things is if, you know, people are a little timid, you know, you you have your computer in front of you. I, I would suggest going to social media, going to Facebook and maybe searching on Facebook for different groups maybe uh, that you're interested in for your particular disease category. In your case, Desiree, you mentioned um, diabetes. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of groups on there with diabetes. As a matter of fact, diabetes is one of the leading contributors or tied in with kidney disease, risk factor yeah. kind of thing. Yes. So yes. you can find a lot of information there on it and you can read behind the scenes, maybe what other people are asking and what they're doing. And if there is something that starts strikes a particular note to you, pick up your phone and call your local congressional office and say, "Look, I'm this I'm a patient. I'm a diabetic. A diabetic. Um, I have concerns about being able to get my diabetic medicine. You know the price. Mm-hmm. You know I I heard or I, there might be in, in legislation introduced soon about that." I want you to record over there that I'm in favor of getting that put through because I need help and I'm in your I'm in that rep- representative's district. Mm-hmm. It's simple things like that. You can do it right from your home. You don't be, have to be out there carrying the banner. The other ways that you can get involved too, for example, the National Kidney Foundation holds events, you know, all in their areas to raise money, fundraisers, and to raise awareness, you know, to mm-hmm. be an advocate. The kidney walks nationwide. You hear of kidney walks going on, and not, they're not just like we don't go around and walk around the block. They're usually they're like big social events kind of thing where you meet other people in the same, mm-hmm. and you see other people there contributing in the way of information and help. And I would say contact your local offices and ask how you can be a volunteer and become more active. You know, maybe going to a health fair, a senior health fair, and passing out information or helping with that through one of your local legislators. It doesn't have to be a federal legislator. We have state legislators in every state as well. And making a difference and an impact for on kidney disease and on other diseases too to help people at the at the local level and within the state level. So people can do that too. It's really easy. Yeah, you know, and and I want to reiterate the, the, the theme of it is really easy, but you have to start. You know, mm-hmm. we can sit back and say, point the finger of everything that's wrong, right? We can sit at home and point at the TV mm-hmm. and say, oh, that's not working or this isn't working or that's wrong. But we really, as patients, as patient advocates, patient partners, however you identify yourself, we have to get in the trenches and be more activated and, and get to work in order for it to change. Because 
you can't expect a different outcome if you're doing the same things, right? So we have to do something a little different and step outside of our comfort zone. If so, if that is, you know, a possibility to make sure that, you know, the healthcare is better, not just for us and our own personal, which we want, but for our neighbors and everyone else. You know, I'm a big, big, big advocate for, you know, driving major change. And how can we do that? It started with one voice. Look at you, Bobby, one voice. You stood up and raised your voice and said, hey, and you got his attention. You know so, what? You know, the, mm-hmm. first time, the first time is always the hardest. Remember that because mm-hmm. you do it the first time. And then after that, it gets easier because you've done it once already. You know kind of what, like what it's like, you know, in the way that I advocated to find my son a kidney. That first time was the hardest, asking that first school to put out a couple sentences in their alumni newsletter. And then everyone that I asked after that, I can say, they said to me, well, I don't know what you mean by be an advocate and try and help you find a kidney donor. I don't know what to do. And then I'd say, well, look what this person did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. what they did. Is they all, it was like trying to outpace the Joneses, you know, like that. <laughs> you know, yes. keeping up with the Joneses and everyone kept getting better and better until the next thing, you know, I wasn't doing the asking. I let other people do it for me. The, the same mm-hmm. applies with, um, I, okay, I'm one voice. Like you said, I'm one voice and I click that button and I sent that letter to my congressman. But when I ask other people to do it, all those one voices add up. And then together, you know, we're like a huge force. And that's that's how advocacy works. Mm, I love that. Well, well, Bobby, this has been an awesome conversation. And I hope that our listeners are inspired to become national advocates, start at your local level and work your way up to national advocacy, because the more voices we have, the more we can drive the change and get the things that we need and want um, as patient partners. So, you know, I just want to say thank you again, Miss Bobby Reed. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And I had a wonderful conversation having you on our podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And anytime, you know, you, you want information on anything else that I, I could possibly contribute to, I'd be more than happy to do it. Thanks. Oh, you. you're welcome. And we may hold you to that. so again guys thank you for tuning in and as always be engaged follow the peep community online at atwhealth.com